It's a nice sharp marker. All right. All right. Sharp. Sharpen it. We're in, we're, let's get, we're in podcast mode now. Yeah. That means I have to ramp up. That means yeah. I have to ramp up the ums. Turn up, yeah, yes, the ums, and the, the yes. throat clearings. The, yeah, I'm going to sniff a lot and uh, chew ice. Let's yep. get all the professionalism on the table right now. Yeah. And uh, I'm working hard to not be fidgeting with something in my hands. <laughs> I'm going to try not to laugh at, at my own jokes too much. Well, let's do it. Let's jump in with, uh, yeah. with recaps. This is Craven. This is Zach. Welcome, Jesus, to podcast. 17B? You want to call it 17B? 17B, yeah. We recorded a full podcast with, uh, we, we did an update after our uh, live screening and uh, we had a we had a guest, David Bizarro, on and we did a whole discussion about Ready Player One and I'm not sure what happened. Like, well, what happened was that we were we were swamped and we didn't get around to editing that podcast for like maybe two weeks. And then it, within that time, Ready Player One just aged worse than any other film in recent memory. <laughs> just that film Dude, was out of the, so... con the, con the public consciousness, just ejected that movie out of the theaters so quickly. It did the exact opposite of what the, f the book did. Yeah. Uh, which is burst onto the scene and cause ripples. Like it's hilarious that the film was talked about so much and speculated upon so much. And then after its release, it just fell up, completely fell apart. Yeah. Nobody's, I you know, the other day I actually woke listen to this. I, I swear to God, I woke up a couple weeks ago and I was excited to see Ready Player One. And then I was like, oh, it already came out and I already saw it. You're, the movie I that, forgot. The, the movie that you were excited about was the one that hadn't actually been made. Yeah, I had actually yeah. forgotten that and I don't mean that as a diss to Spielberg whom I love, but the the it's weird. It's it's out on uh on digital now and nobody cares. Yeah. It's it's it wasn't even it's not even in the top movies. Oh uh, wow, you have to actually for search release. for it. It's really weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's really weird. I found it by accident. It's um, like the, if the book course, was. Of course, if, I bought it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can go into your other your collection of other myself. movies that you hate but can't stop watching. Yeah. It's really funny. Yeah. That's the difference between us. Like I watch bad movies that are bad for like entertaining reasons, which is a pretty cliche reason to watch a bad movie. But you watch movies that you hate because you hate them. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's always it's always a uh, it's always a, a mix of a couple things. There's there's something about films like Ready Player One that are really ponderous to me, because yeah. there's such craft on display, it and it's, it's so bad. At the same time, it just is a confusing thing to my brain. My brain loves it. Yeah, you know, like it's it's a master filmmaker making you know using all of the tools correctly and then outputting something that's just not good yeah it was <laughs> you know just, what i mean yeah, it's it was... really strange it's really bizarre and we really I dove into like know. to why it's not good on that podcast and we may yet release that just as a fun irrelevant let's like, do hey, that here you go because i feel really bad too because we had david on there for a long time and he was he was releasing a project of his own that we were gonna 
promote and then yeah. it's, it's already out which you should still go watch by the way it's called the pits and it's on vimeo yeah. I, I believe if you just search for vimeo for the pits it's a uh, a cute story about a half of an avocado looking for its other half so it's yeah i, um, I scored that that short ah, film. there you go there's yeah. it's also tied into the arlots as well besides you know yes besides the fact that you should watch it just because david's a talented awesome person um yeah, that so that yeah, was he's amazing. Yeah, and he was he had some really good thoughts on this this movie, which we didn't hate, but we definitely didn't like it. It was just kind of I didn't hate it. Yeah, it was just a you know like where you said the book caused ripples, like the 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 movie was more of just like somebody farted in the bathtub, and that was <laughs> you were like oh there's damn uh, you. there's and then it was over. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to release the podcast because there were a lot of points that we made that we can't really get into now, but yeah. The, for for me, my let's each do a bottom line, quick thought, right? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Go uh, first, because I need to drum one up. Okay, for 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 me, uh, the just consider for one second the idea that this this egg hunt, this thing made by Halliday, was designed for people of all ages. So you've got kids in the oasis, like in school that are like 10 years old, you know, why would he have the, the, the hunt necessarily put you into the shining where you're engaging with like horror. Now, now I'm talking like a 10 year old kid, right. To win this contest. You know, this is the Willy Wonka's chocolate factory situation. It's, it was designed for everybody. The idea that Halliday would design a part of this hunt so that a 10-year-old kid could walk into a room where there's this like this woman taking the bath and then getting out and molesting you and then, and then tearing and off then, her face. And decomposing and, right you know, before your eyes. And then decomposing. It's just it's just wicked messy. Like I I, I mean I love The Shining. It's great. It's yeah. one of my favorite films of all time. Like Kubrick is is the master. But which now that I think about it, the, though, the, I, the, I watched the, the Shining the, when I was like five. So that <laughs> would I would have been okay in Ready Player One. Well, I'm like, oh yeah, this this game, yeah, I'm good. I think there's a question about I I I'm 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 kind of open to to a lot of things like that. Like I'm yeah. sort of open to to. Uh, it, it, well, I don't know how to put it exactly. I'm not sure about the rating system. I, right. it's, sometimes it's a little iffy and sometimes... But I do think that in some cases it's appropriate. I don't know that a 9- or 10-year-old yeah. kid should necessarily let's, yeah. be... Let, let, let's not let's not say like watching The Shining. Let's say like engaging with inside I don't know. The Shining. Yeah, like because let's not inside the let's Shining. not be mistaken. When I watched it when I was five, I'm not trying to say like I'm a badass and nothing scared me. I shouldn't have watched it when I was five. I was that scene in particular with the woman in in the in the bathtub it opened like exposed me to so many things that I wasn't ready to deal with, let alone all at once like sexuality mortality like this fact that this like sexy well, woman then just turns into a corpse and tries to kill you like, that's that your my mind is overloaded all of a sudden dude it's exactly it's one step away from Halliday saying that instead of walking through war games and do all the lines you have to go through a clockwork orange and do all the lines <laughs> like what can you imagine can you imagine how fucked up that would be 
Yeah. You know? No matter who I, you that's, were but, playing. But that's sort of what that's sort of what he was doing. Yeah. You know, that's sort of he was taking this thing that that is I mean, nothing in Halliday's quest for the egg should be polarizing on that level. Right. You know, but but that's what they decided to do. And to me, that encapsulates that's not my only problem with the film, but yeah. it captures the spirit of what was so wrong yeah. with it, which is not, not to mention that that entire sequence looked real, whereas the rest of the Oasis looked computer generated. Yeah, which they is brought in like a because, the, yeah, they brought in a real actress to be the woman. And yeah. And that was so that that leads to my problem with the with the film is that the artificiality of it was just too much of a disconnect. The, it's the Oasis is supposed to be a place that felt real, and nothing in the, the except The Shining felt real, and it was all very dated looking CG effects in in a movie that's yeah. supposed to take place in the future, but the effects looked like modern console CGI. That that know? might have that might have been okay, except they they showed you that they could do ultra real. By right. having the shining sequence, yeah, like <laughs> so, they're standing out in front so of a real movie theater. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and it's a really weird disconnect because they look even worse standing in the real Overlook Hotel <laughs> when they finally go in there. See, I, they're in a real. See, location. I thought they looked kind of cool. Do you I think thought they so? looked kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah, I thought to they me, looked all right. Yeah, to me, they looked more CGI and just stood out more. Hmm. So it was, yeah, it was a, it was a strange film. I think there's a lot of. Um, maybe misunderstanding of the ideas that made the book engrossing to a lot of people, which is yeah. why I don't think the movie was engrossing to anybody. <laughs> it's it's kind of what happens when you try yeah. to make a movie that everyone will like, and then just kind of nobody likes it, which, uh, which is kind of yeah. how maybe that's a good segue into Solo, actually. Let's do it. Let's, let's jump into yeah, Solo. We watched Solo. If you didn't see it, Kylo Ren did a review of solo which again like our other kylo ren reviews sort of reflects how we really felt about it you know give or take some personal kylo ren perspectives but yeah solo was was an interesting film it's kind of everything we thought we were afraid it was going to be which is that ron howard was just going to kind of do his ron howard thing and not really blow our minds but just make a competent film that does the job but doesn't yeah. really Yeah, we talked anything. about that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. And so that that all kind of happened. It's not a very memorable film. And it's just, it's it was, it didn't, like, nothing about it. Like, you know, there have been moments in, like, a good Marvel movie or even, a, like, good, you know, one of the uh, the main Star Wars films. When there's moments of humor, they actually make me laugh. And I enjoy that. But there's nothing in Solo that genuinely made me laugh. Most of it, I was just, I hate using the word cringe, but there were some kind of cringeworthy moments, you know, that... Just yeah, missed the mark. Like when he started talking to Chewbacca in his own language, I was like, I was like, come on, man, what? That's yeah. It was just there, sort of I was embarrassed a... for the actor. <laughs> yeah, no, that it's interesting. That I, I, I mean, I totally agree. I feel like our our Kylo Ren video captured a lot about what we what we thought about the film. Yeah. And then of course I, I feel that what we sort of do with Kylo is we, we use him as the character to take shots at things. But then uh, we also sometimes like to ride a line where we don't just crap all over things, but maybe that's what our podcast is for. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I thought we went a little too easy on solo. With yeah. The Kylo Ren. We came back at the end and sort of, yeah, came back with some positives that maybe didn't, that weren't, you know, deserved. I mean, we, 
But we, but we do. Well, I mean, I think that they're in some ways deserved because I, I always want to respect the people that make the film, and I don't just yeah, want to put out things in the world that are just hating whiny things. But I feel like yeah. on the podcast we can <laughs> kind of get yeah. down and. Well, the, I also, I also feel like as long as we're being critical in legitimately constructive ways, that that, that we're still on the on the the right side of that line because a lot of the criticisms I see modern criticisms I see these days are just personal biases that aren't actual film critiques they're just I didn't like this because because I didn't like it like that's yeah as far as it goes and that's not constructive that doesn't help anyone that just and and you see a lot of this stuff getting a lot of hits because people just like to to hate on shit that makes them feel a certain way I don't know it's it's, it's a strange world out there right now it is really weird. I, I'm confused as to how the disagreement with a character's decision became a plot hole syndrome came right, about. Right, right. That's bizarre. Like, like it's not yeah. a plot hole if a character decides to do something. <laughs> yeah, because you because, disagree with it. Your disagreement does not make it a plot hole. Like, that's... Yeah. It's really strange. Yeah. People, I keep seeing that a lot. Like, well, you know, Last Jedi, that conversation is never going to die, apparently. But a lot of people are yeah. saying, like, the script was bad. The script was bad. It's like, was this, how was the script bad? Do you understand, like, the difference between you not liking how something went as opposed to a script being bad? Like, the script was great. <laughs> <laughs> like, the script was right. tight. And it, like, right. everything, all the connections and the, the foreshadowing and, and everything, can, it was, was wrapped up in a correct three stage you know, script, like the script yeah. was good, but you're not talking about the script. You're talking about how you felt about what you saw. And that's right. You're talking about something you didn't like about a character or. Yeah. It's really strange. People are, you know what yeah. I think it is? I think everybody is um, sort of focused on this. I can get a lot of traction by being as extremist as possible. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you see titles on YouTube, like, the Last Jedi is the worst film that's ever been made in human history of all time. Right, and then Which the, is the just opening line from the person. Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's just subjectively not correct. And then the first line out of that person's review is like, "The Last Jedi is an abortion. It's the worst thing that cinema has ever seen." I am. I'm gonna. I'm furious. I'm over it. Star Wars is done. And this. And then the person goes yeah. on for like an hour, just yeah, you know, just like that. And it's listing things that they didn't like that are as, as as criticisms you know yeah yeah i don't know as film critic yeah it's like bad filmmaking like so so here's the thing that's been happening i've been getting into I, i'm st i still get in, roped into conversations and debates about the last jedi because i still am looking for what i consider a critique like here's why like, from a cinematic filmmaking perspective like they're the it, it, like why the story was bad not you know, because like that was stupid that she didn't tell him that and I was like but it made sense within the, the construct of that screenplay like that's you just thought it was stupid like here's why I don't think it was stupid and then we, we talked about it but it's I, I then people what they in, in, invariably do is send me links to these videos that we're talking about and one of them the, the, somebody was like who I thought was one kind of a person, I guess I misjudged them because they send me a link to this video. And one of the first things the guy in the video says is like, is he's calling Kelly Tran the fat Asian bitch. And I'm like, dude, this, this pod, this review is a, a, like instantly null and void. Like it's very clear where this person's biases stand. Yeah. And 
you shouldn't be sending me this knowing who I am thinking that that's going to convince me when somebody's referring to actors as the fat Asian bitch. Like your your view on the rest of the film is going to be colored by that opinion. And that's like and I can't un like pretend that that's not the case and and unobjectively watch this person's review ignoring that, you know. So it's Yeah. It's just it's weird and that's just another unfortunate thing. She was the, that actress has been bullied off of the internet basically because people are sending her death threat. Like it's her fault that they didn't like the film. And if yeah. it's her being Asian woman is ruined the film for you, then it's, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> There's a lot of good films out there that you're not going to like. I, you know, I'm not going to recommend any Korean films to you because even though there's like amazing ones out there, we recommended Train to Busan in the last podcast. Fuck us, I guess. You know, it's because that whole movie that's, is just full of Asian hilarious. people, and it's just, yeah, that's hilarious. the 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 other the other hilarious that, that's really funny. the the other hilarious thing is people who want their Star Wars free of political context. That's right. that's ridiculous. Yeah, because it's yeah, Star Wars. Obviously, we've said it before. Star Wars has, has always been political. It's always been about like power to the people overthrowing tyrannical government but it's just that that spoke to people in their childhood and i I saw a write-up that explained that people just want to be reminded of the way they felt when they were children but sci-fi changes with the times that they're being produced in and that's so they're not it's these films are not reminding them of how they felt when they were children and they're upset they think that these films should just constantly be a nostalgic trip but not too nostalgic because if it's just like if it's like the force awakens and it's too much like the old film, then that's bad too. So it's, I, I, I honestly think that nothing is going to make these type of people happy. And yeah, yeah, um, probably. Yeah. That's an interesting point. It's not just that sci-fi uh, evolves, but it's also that the franchise has to evolve as well. Yeah. So it's, absolutely. it's dealing with, it's dealing with the legacy and at some point for it to look backwards. Well, let's go back to Solo real quick and, and yeah, wrap this back Solo. wrap this back in. Solo Solo is did not evolve. <laughs> it's Solo to me was a complete step not even backwards or forwards. It was just it was like sideways with a slight diagonal lurch. <laughs> yeah. In in some bizarre direction that I do not understand. I, I don't even it was yeah. like it was like a Z it was like a Z axis maybe it was a slight hobbled bounce some in some yeah it was uh, just... uh, down upwards and then back downwards onto the floor like i'm not sure uh, it's yeah. to me it was i i had worries about it the whole thing with um letting go of the directors at first i thought to myself okay i get it you know maybe the guys who did 21 jump street uh and the lego movie did they do 21 jump i think they did um I think they did, yeah. Maybe they're not the perfect thing, but they, you know, they. So I, I get it when you want to keep a brand on point and follow something structured and a set of rules. Like I get that, but uh, yeah. but after seeing Solo and how milk toast it was, I really yeah. have to wonder what other movie was in there because it felt to me like a comedy with zero laughs, which is a yeah, weird it, it thing tri- for a movie it tried to, to be. ride that. Yeah, tried to ride that lighthearted tone of like a madcap, you know, action adventure comedy. Like, Lethal Weapon has more humor in it than, <laughs> you know, is is, yeah. is is like that. I feel like it was trying to be sort of like that Lethal Weapon three kind of 
it's action packed, but it's lighthearted. But it was, yeah, the lightheartedness was just kind of flat. It was just weird. Yeah. And then there the was thing a lot of characters I, winking and stuff. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. I was just going to just go off on the tangent where how that now the, uh, the script is that because people felt negatively about The Last Jedi, they think that Solo's failure at the box office is a reflection of how they felt about The Last Jedi. Like those things are somehow related and not simply just Solo is just not a good film. That's a weird conflation to make because yeah. there's, I think there has been a decline in returns at the box office as Star Wars movies yeah. have continued to, to come out. But there's no question that the quality of the film and the reception of the film is is a factor there. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean they could be they could be well, slipping a little bit. It could be fatigue, Star Wars yeah. fatigue and maybe the you know the producers are maybe getting a little bit overwhelmed with what they're having. Yeah. We'll see we'll see how they respond to it. I'm I'm a little worried that they'll look at the negative atmosphere around these two films and sort of and let it you know influence them and instead of and like what they should do is what Marvel's been doing is just say is just close themselves off to all that and just make the movies that they want to make because then that passion for that project comes through in those films and they're really good. Like it's, yeah. you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy films, like Black Panther, Avengers Civil War, like all those films are just like, we're doing our own thing. We're not, we're not going to walk any lines. We're going to cross lines and we're going to do it and we're going to own yeah. it. And those films are amazing. And each one of them is gra- Thor Ragnarok. I watched that again the other day. That movie is fucking amazing. Like, it's so good. Like, yeah, from t- top to bottom, it's entertaining. There's no slow part for me in those films. So it's just Star Wars, I feel like, with Solo, was a little afraid to walk, to cross that line, you know, the same way Marvel's doing. But they still wanted to have what Marvel is doing. And it was just, like, ended up being a weird, like, a wicker version of that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So I, I, th- I think what I hope happens is that once the trailers and the hype around Episode Nine start coming out, that... That, that that's going to prove those people wrong. That it's just, no, it's not that they're Star Wars fatigue. It's not that Star Wars is failing because you didn't like that film. And it's, it's not, and Solo didn't fail because, because episode eight betrayed the fan base. It's just Solo was a bad film and now episode nine's coming back and it's going to get people back on board and you're going to watch it whether you love it or not because that's just what people do. Like it's the people that hated The Last Jedi probably watched it more than anyone else. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's something else too, which is kind of weird. Is that, uh, and this will lead us to the Imperial March. But, but, so, so the <laughs> idea that uh, they're playing up on nostalgia uh, in a big way. They're using the capital of nostalgia to push Star Wars, but it's, it's made worse by the fact that they're telling stories from the past. So yeah, uh, they keep talking about all of these Star Wars stories, and they're not tangential. They're, they're all taking place in the past, which automatically removes the films from a lot of dramatic tension, you yeah. know? And, and they're talking now about an Obi-Wan film, and it's like, yeah. you know what? At That's some already point, done deal, I think. Why don't you just start telling Star Wars stories that are happening in different parts of the galaxy at the same time? Yeah. That the rebellion yeah. is happening, or that you know what I mean? It's 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 kind of it's kind of strange. Well, yeah, do what they did with the expanded universe back when the books started first coming out. Tell stories that either can, are taking place chronologically after the films, but not with the main characters, or just are happening at the same time as the films. But yeah, the people should have learned not only from the prequels that over explaining the past is 
probably has a, a negative overall effect. But they should have learned from the Saw films <laughs> that you just don't yeah. try to like overestimate the popularity of something and and try to stuff as much as you can into the past of that thing. Yeah. They, like by the time Saw Six or whatever came out, and I, and I was a sucker for that. I have a really good friend, and uh, she and I would our annual tradition was to go watch the Saw films in theater. We'd like meet up and go like, hey, we haven't seen each other in a while. There's a new yeah. Saw coming out. It's, it's, um, and one thing that Saw always tried to do was to fit all of the Saw movies in the same timeline. So by Saw 6, uh, all of these movies were supposed to be happening at the same time and that Jigsaw was such a genius that oh he okay. oversaw all of it and it was this like ludicrous Rube Goldberg machine. But it's just... It starts to become a mess because then you have That's people such trying a to like, stretch. yeah, yeah, and they, they, so you have all these people just stuffing more and more into this past, and it makes and it dilutes the original, and also just and it has uh, diminishing returns on the new stuff. So it's just just keep pushing the needle forward. That's sort of the well, that's feels to that's me like the, the right thing to do. That's exactly the right point because you know the idea of saying let's just go inward into Han Solo, mm-hmm. it's it's doing a number of things. First of all, it starts doing damage to the, the original character in the original trilogy. Because now right. every time you see him in the canteen, you're like, oh, he learned to shoot first. It's like now in my head, I have to remember that he learned somewhere to shoot first. <laughs> now I have to remember that he was a good guy before the film like it's not you don't yeah. always want to just take one thing and then beat it to death yeah you know wh- you know why don't you have a series of star wars stories that are happening tangentially to the main epic storyline well and that's that's sort of the, the the real tragedy of a studio film is the is the the penchant for playing it completely safe like they want to have their cake and eat it too so they wanted to stick with what's familiar stick with what's you know established and then just ride that instead of really push it that's what that which is why again i'll bring marvel into it which is what marvel has been where where they've been finding success because when you like so i'll use black panther as an example again because that's that's one of my favorite films of the last year yeah it's they they really invested it they went all the way with it like it's a very relatively unknown character when you think of like the general population like i'm a comic book yeah i know who black panther is but i even as a comic book guy i didn't know that much about black panther you know, and it's, it's right. so they, but they didn't, they weren't afraid of that. They were like, no, let's make people aware of Black Panther. Let's really go into it. So Star Wars could do the same thing. They could, they could have just played it safe and just made Captain, you know, Captain America movies forever. But they were like, no, we have other characters that, that we have more creative freedom with because they're less known. So, and that's where the Star Wars old expanded universe found success because they'd go off into side stories about, you know, IG-88 and Dengar. Like, we didn't... There was no written history of those guys. They're free to do whatever they want with this cool character that we have seen and maybe wanted to know more about. But there was less at stake with that. Whereas Solo, like you said, it risks tainting those familiar moments right. from classic films. Right. You know? There's no there's no familiar moments with IG-88. He's a, he's a, as far as I know, he's a walking garbage can. I don't know what he's, <laughs> his deal is. So anything right. I see... External to that is not going to taint. You can't even see him in the in the in the standard version. He's only in widescreen mode. He's cut out of the. Yeah. Of when I originally saw it on VHS, it was he was not there, and I I remember as a kid thinking, wondering if I had made it up because I saw the film in theaters, you know, in, in widescreen, you know, different aspect Pan ratio, and, and I knew that guy. Boy. You could see all the. 
Oh, dude, I don't even think Pan and Scan existed when that movie came out on VHS. No, it always existed. Yeah, there was no... The bounty hunters were gone. Like, you couldn't see them. And I was like, did that weird tall garbage can thing even... Did I make that up? Like I was thought I was crazy. I so, mean, is there yeah, is there those, a those shortage? Aren't is there. there a shortage of things in the Star Wars universe? Like, don't even go with a character you've seen before. The universe is so vast. Just make some new goddamn characters. Yeah, that was my compromise for like the the film studios, uh, their timidness timidness in approaching a new film. You know, at least if like if you're gonna go with something that's already established, here's some cool characters that. You know, which is always risky, too, because, you know, they did the same thing with Boba Fett. That was a character that we were like that had like pop culture status because he was so cool and mysterious. And now we know everything about him. And he's then to me sucks. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh, he's he's a clone baby, you know, from like an army of clones and all the stormtroopers are clones. Like that was just a weird unnecessary thing to do. Speaking. So so I I love that as a segue to to the Imperial March. Mm -hmm. Let's get into that real quick. Let's do it. The, the Imperial March being used in Solo bothered me so much for, for a number of reasons. Number one, on a technical level, it felt weird to me, uh, which we can get into in a second. And then secondly, like it, it was just another play towards nostalgia and winking at the viewer in a, in a way that was so self-aware. It was just obnoxious yeah. you know? it's not it's not a way that that star wars should be winking at the audience that's just not an established fourth wall breaking yeah. mechanic that star wars films are known for yeah it's bizarre it's uh, uh so so let's talk technically right yeah um the thing that's so disappointing about it to me is that the star wars universe has always they've always worked hard to make sure that you know that things differ from the world that we're in, in in interesting ways. Right. So, you know, the song that they play in Jabba's Palace might sound funk-based, but none of the instruments that they have, like like everything is always a little bit off. You know, the cantina cantina band kind of sounds like a jazz group, but it's a weird jazz group. Like, it's not the kind of thing you would ever see, like in a bar in Manhattan, (laughs) you know, or like anywhere. Right. Which is called what? Which is called jizz, jizz, by the way. It's J apostrophe I Z Z. That's the, that's the form of the style of music they're playing. Jizz. It's not jazz. Hey, good, good, good it's on jizz. that. Good. I mean, so so that's so that so that's where that's a great example of how you know. And this has been a this has been something they always do. You know, they take they take yeah. something that we have in the in the, in our world, and then they make it a little less identifiable by just pushing it a little bit to the right or left. So so what they're saying to me with the Imperial March, which I find horrible, is that they're saying there's such a thing as a traditional orchestra that has all the parts and pieces of a traditional orchestra that actually plays the Imperial March. Like, right. as we know it. So, so you can imagine, for example, like, uh, like Han Solo could theoretically go to a theater and sit down in front of like a 70-piece orchestra and listen to them play yeah. the Imperial March. And that yeah. sucks. Is, yeah. That fucking that, that, sucks. Which also means that that's... <laughs> but that also, that, that implies so much more too, that there is some sort of committee within the Empire that's commissioning pieces that are thematically relevant to their 
their values. Right. Like right, we need right. something that's like that's got a nice like uh, uh, cadence to it, but that's also implies malice and in bad intentions, but is also very uniform and <laughs> right. <laughs> so exactly. So so that that's even better and, and because we want that to be our song. Yeah. That also means that you know since it clearly is the now now there are some debates on this. I've only seen Solo yeah. once. My recollection is that it's not exactly the the Imperial March. It's like slightly right. different in a couple of ways. Like maybe it's um it still has some of the some of the same phrasing uh, and obviously the yeah. orchestration is like identical. But but maybe maybe they're saying for example you it wouldn't go into the B section, you know, with like the women's right. like like that that kind of part. Maybe maybe they're saying yeah. you know we understand there's a difference between the score, but but that doesn't that doesn't solve the problem of the of something that's so close to the Imperial March being there that they're saying basically it's, it is, it's the it really intention. Is, it just is, is the Imperial yeah, the March. In, like that's what it is. The intention is that it's that it's recognizable as the Imperial March, regardless of how it's actually performed. That was that's that's my takeaway. Is yeah. that we're supposed to know and wink with the filmmakers that we're hearing the Imperial March being used by the Empire to drive recruitment. Right. And that's so, uh that's so, silly. That's fucking now people, silly. People have argued that there was precedent for this. Oh right. In Star Wars Rebels, right? Is yeah. that uh, which is an, which is in an episode called Empire Day, in which there's a yeah. parade, and they and they're they're in the scene. There's a there's a parade for the Empire featuring you know soldiers and vehicles, where that the Imperial March is playing in marching band style. It's play. It's it's being played in marching band style, and it's it's also in a major key. It's so again, it's like a little bit off from the Imperial March. And, and people's argument was that this is set that that set a precedent, and to me, that's like no, it's this just because it showed up in a cartoon that doesn't make it more acceptable. That actually makes it less acceptable to me. That's <laughs> well, it could, yeah. it, that could be considered canon, though. Yeah. But that no, that's but that's what I'm saying. Just because it is canon, like those those episodes are definitely canon, but just. But that doesn't make it okay that they did that to me. That's still it's still wrong to me for the same reason, even though it showed up in a previously, you know, in in another yeah. form of media. It doesn't matter because it's they still just oh, shouldn't yeah. do that. I don't I don't think I don't think it was good when they did it in the cartoon either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Say, saying that because something is canon that it that it's that, totally that makes a great it okay. idea. Yeah. That's because yeah, that's something uh, is, is kind of bogus. Yeah, I use it as an example like like make not making a nod to the audience about a well established uh, iconic thing such as a score that's like decades old is something that a comedy would do. Like Gremlins does that, where like the Gremlins themselves hum and like and acapella the theme to Gremlins, but that's because by Gremlins two he was completely dismantling the <laughs> the hypocrisy yeah. of franchise movies and like that he was making a point. Yeah. By doing that, like he was like making fun of merchandising and, and pop culture. And so that's yeah for Star Wars to do the yeah, same yeah. thing, but for a different reason. It's just it, it was it just was pointless. Be, There's no super, point to do that. Just to be super clear, too. I just want to be clear with anybody who's who, who's listening that uh, it's it's not. So what th th there's another part of this, which is that it's not clear at all that the music is being performed in the parade in the cartoon. either. Right, right. Like. It's uh, it's in the same way where you know when you get Vader walking through a room filled with, with people, or there's like action happening, Imperial action, and you hear the Imperial march. 
it's not supposed to be actually playing in that environment diegetically, like pumped over the sound system or something. Right. The parade is is essentially like an attempt by the Empire to do something that that is sort of propaganda-ish, right? Right. So it could be the same thing as ha- u- utilizing the Imperial March, uh, but in this positive way as part of their pro-Imperial sort of right. vibe. And you never see a band... So it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like a marching band. It still sounds like a full orchestra. Right, right. Um, and it doesn't sound like it's being played over a PA or anything like that. It's just it's a full score, and you never see a band, you never see a marching band, you never see an orchestra or anything. It's just like the vibe of the situation. Right. Um. But but there is a there is a gray line there. It's not hard. It's not a hard line. You know. You. Yeah. There. The, the art art is weird like that. I'll give you an example. Right. Um. Any musical, take like Sweeney Todd, right? Yeah. So Sweeney Todd like walks into a pie shop and he starts singing with Mrs. Lovett, okay? You're not as the viewer supposed to believe that there's diegetic music that's playing in that scene. Right. Like you don't, you don't believe that there's a, an orchestra that's like in the shop with them. Right. <laughs> Literally playing the music. The the their voices as they sing are diegetic. Right. They are singing in that environment, but it's also a little weird because you know, musicals are are funny like that or music videos are weird like that. You don't always think like, you know, when Michael Jackson is walking down the street singing and beat it, is he really like on the street singing the song in <laughs> in the reality? Yeah. And is there an actual rock band that's blasting music the whole time as he's changing locations <laughs> like of, of course not of course not but that that's what makes the art form so strange and and yeah. beautiful do you know what i mean that's what makes it uh so you could argue that maybe it's a situation like that where there isn't supposed there there like is supposed to be a band there but maybe they're not like literally playing the imperial march it's just right. the vibe of the situation that's you the know? score i don't yeah, know the, yeah it's like yeah, the whole like, point of the imperial march is that it gave you the vibe of this. The, it set up the vibe of what you were seeing. That's what a, you know. That's like what the score helps to do. It, it's it helps paint the scene, and that's what the Imperial March did. This is a tightly regimented, um, strict, and and, men, and and malicious government organization. That's what the song sounded like. But then, then to suddenly flip it and say like, no, no, this song they listen to this as they march. Like this is what drives them in their world the same way it drives your yeah. feelings about them seeing them on screen and that's just that's it's a weird line to cross that i don't there yeah, it doesn't strange. seem like and there I, was I any reason it, to cross that line at all it just seemed kind of no like and a, to do it to to do it in solo as a recording clearly as part of the hologram is right. is even weirder you know? i don't know it's, if that was a hologram like, i think that was just a video <laughs> oh is it just a straight up video it might have yeah, just been maybe. a tv i gotta watch it again it's gonna be but that's a weird thing, you know. It's like some people are okay with that. There's, no, I can't tell you that you can't be okay with that. Some people are like, yeah, it's fine that there's that the Imperial March exists in canon. I actually like that, and that's fine. And it is a, it is, I, it's, it, it is a funny thing to get hung up on. Whereas other people are getting hung up on other things. But you know, like keep keep politics out of my Star Wars. <laughs> We're like, but this that, that's yeah, my point. Right, We're right. we're approaching this from a critical standpoint. We just gave you critical reasons why we don't think that worked and why it shouldn't have been done in the right. first place. And it gets it gets so it gets so weird when you start 
uh, pushing the logic of using the Imperial March outward. Because check this out, Kylo Ren's theme that ba 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 yeah. is like related to the Imperial March melodically. Right. So so now it's like they're saying that Kylo Ren's theme is based on an actual piece of music that exists in the Star Wars universe. So so that also means that maybe Kylo Ren could have a recording of his own theme right. that he like listens to that's performed by an orchestra. Like he's is that is that possible? It's like possible would that be now. strange if well, like that Kylo example... Ren was like, "All right, Kylo Ren's like hit it boys and it's like bomb bomb ba bomb." Like bomb. the old it's like uh, some weird version of it. Did you ever see I know we've talked about it in the past, but did you ever see I'm going to get you sucker back in the day? The oh, Wayne's Brothers movie? Yeah, that when they when the first lesson that the old school black exploitation character gave the new kid, the new blood, he was like, "Always have theme music." And he just behind him there's like this jazz band that just followed him <laughs> everywhere he went to play like like that that movie's version of like the shaft theme song you know like the little hi-hat guy and the some some yeah. some horns but yeah it's that that's what that reminds <laughs> that's me <funny. laughs> but that that's you gave hilarious. me a, you gave me a great example too you were like so so for example so if, if the music in star wars has a chance of being in canon in universe music that'd be like every time Han and Chewie are being chased through an asteroid field. Han goes, Chewie, hit it. And Chewie puts in a cassette tape with asteroid field chase. And they play that <laughs> while they're being chased. And I was like, yeah, that's the same thing. That's not different. That's the same thing. Like that's once you right. establish that it's possible, then you have to consider that across the board. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's, <laughs> and maybe the scene and maybe the music in the asteroid chase was just coming from the millennium Falcon. The whole yeah. time. Or, or, or not, you know, or maybe the... Uh, it didn't the, the sound Empire, like it, but maybe it was being pumped out. Maybe it was. Maybe the Empire was pumping it out through the, a Star Destroyer. Just to, like, here here we go, guys. You're getting chased now. This is the right. chase that's why it sounded yeah. like a And that's why it sounded like a full score, not like a PA system or something, right? Because right, it was right. on some, like, supersonic thing, right, that, that like, blasted out just evenly across... <laughs> <laughs> the whole that might sequence. be that might be our new uh, our new series. This the the secret orchestra that that is is hiding in every important scene in Star Wars, because the Star Wars universe just established that that is what's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's it's perfect. The untold truth behind the real space John Williams and his space orchestra. They're just on this like flying platform just in with the dome over it, just like rapidly playing music as yeah, like they're a- also avoiding asteroids. <laughs> Furiously playing like the train. He's just conducting like his, his ass off while they're not trying not to get shot. <laughs> Dude. I'm dying right now. And Maul, Maul's throwing fucking pipes over by the fuck by the brass section. Yeah, it's. Uh, dude, I can't breathe. That's what that. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Bro. That's, uh, that's the movies that that that's the movies that everybody wants that's, today. That's the movie. That's that's the real. That's the, that's the real Star Wars story. <laughs> Apparently, that's what the fan fan base wants, right? That's the one they want. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. I just want to re- quickly cap that section with with a positive thing, which is that John Powell's score for Solo I thought was fantastic. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, it's like, a, yeah, it's a big 
booming, glorious score and uh, go and buy it because it's got some beautiful orchestration and there's a lot of cool thematic stuff. There's some amazing choir work. That's really interesting. Yeah. I thought it was weird that that song that they had in there with the the, the girl and the guy duet. Um, oh, yeah. Was on the album, on the album, it's like it's weird because it's a girl and then like a another girl, like a high pitched creature. That's so they must have done something, you know, right before they released. They must have been like, oh, it has to be a this low crooning guy. But yeah. which was kind of bizarre. But the score is, is actually awesome. He uses a lot of John Williams themes like really well. And uh, I really enjoy listening to it. So, so, so here's here's the here's the 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 breakdown, the summary of final thoughts on this. We we don't like it for critical reasons. Like film cinematically, we personally don't think that there was a reason to put the Imperial March in the universe of Star Wars. But our problem with other people's complaints say like, oh, I don't want my I don't want politics shoved down my throat in Star Wars. And the problem with that to me is that you're equating the presence of an ethnically diverse cast as shoving politics down your throat. And it should just be a normal thing. It shouldn't be politics, but you're taking it as that because the sight of it bothers you in this weird political way. <laughs> so it's, but that's not a cinematic complaint. You just, you just feel uncomfortable with that, with those visuals. Whereas like, so that's when I, when I talk about, when I debate with people, that's why I'm trying to get like, what is the real reason you didn't like that? What is the, what is the, the, the critical uh, explanation behind your feeling on that, or is it just your feeling, which which is not necessarily correct, just because that's how you feel. So that's if you ever debate with me about Star Wars, just know that's the angle I'm coming from. So don't be surprised or you know too angry because <laughs> that's nice. Hey, no, that's 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 well said. And if you come at me uh, wanting to debate Star Wars, just expect that it's going to be about the Imperial March. <laughs> Maybe some other stuff. Yeah. You know, maybe some other things. Yeah. So that's Solo. Uh, there hasn't been much else on my radar except for Hereditary, I want to see. Yeah, say. we need to go see that. That's I've been... We need to we need to see that. So here's what I'm worried about, because I, I, I really want to see it. Everybody... And I, what what I'm hearing about it I'm, is worrying me a little bit, because I'm hearing the same sort of sensationalized reactions that I heard about Paranormal Activity and The Babadook and... What, what my feelings are, what my fears are, is that these f- horror films that rock the cinematic world are made for people that don't normally like horror movies, which I am not one of. I love horror. And when you tell me that I'm, gonna, I'm about to watch the next evolution in horror, I'm going to be suspect because I don't know who you are and what your tastes are. And from what I've seen, it doesn't... So, like, I heard all of this same these same sort of things about the Babadook. And when I watched it, I was like, that was okay. But I wasn't, I could understand if you're like a single parent or just a parent period, how that movie might affect you, but I'm not a parent. And it just didn't work as a horror film for me, unless you were a parent. So yeah. I, I, the, I was, I left I a little it. like, di- di- like disappointed. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I just, I don't, it was maybe too psychological in a way that here's so here's for the Bob here's where I didn't here's the where the scene that could sort of summarize my problems with the film was that when she was in the police station making a report and then she thought she saw the Babadook standing behind the police officer at the desk but then she did a double take and it was just a trench coat hanging on a hook with a with a top hat on it and it was just like oh 
it wasn't really the Babadook. It's just a, a, a the Babadook's outfit hanging in a police station <laughs> where I guess it was a cop's like off-duty trench coat and top hat. Like it's just, it was dumb. And it was a weird like fake hold out in on, a way that didn't make sense in, in the scene. Hold on. I want to look at that. Babadook uh, police you, station clip. Yeah. I'm going to look. I've this only up. seen the film once, so I'm going to make that caveat. I remember not liking that though. Hold on a minute. I'm, I'm checking this out because it's such a great comment that I need to double check. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, Fair I, like, enough. I, I would agree with you completely, but I can't believe that the movie would be, I don't know. Would they make Would they yeah. make an error like that? Maybe they would. Let's see. Mm, I think they did. Yeah. I'm uh also, I just don't like screaming kids. Like, that kid screamed. He was way too shrieky. I just can't. Kids annoy me in general. So that's another unfair bias. But And when I say I didn't like the film, I'm not saying it was a bad film. I'm just saying it wasn't for me. And so I'm worried that Hereditary also will not be for me. So... Did you find it? Yeah, there is... Hold on a minute here. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up too. Now I gotta. No, there, I gotta... There, is, there is a there is a top hat, but but the thing is, no, there there is, but 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 here's the thing. Okay. I I think that they're saying that it is the Baba Duke's outfit, and it's just hanging. But so here's the weird thing. So am I, like, I can't remember if I'm picturing it correctly, but does she think that she sees the Babadook itself standing there? Or does she always just see the coat and top hat? That's what I'm trying to figure out right now. Right. Because th- it would be weird to me if like she thought she saw him, but then it turns out it was just actually a, a coat and top hat that was really hanging there. It's not even a coat. It would just be a it's weird like, thing. It's, it looks like the Babadook's like, frayed, like, full like cape. Right. So listen, I get the film. I get that the real Babadook is just that feeling that a parent has that where they both love and hate their own child. Like that's I get that the monster was the actual struggle of parenthood. But that's that so that scene is a weird thing. It's like Well there's Is there, it supposed there, to be saying that it's really there and that it's like it's a real threat that's actually physically present or was it all in her head? Like that, that didn't seem like it was clear to me with that scene. Yeah. That scene to me, it made it seem like there's actually a tattered jacket hanging in this police station. Well, well, it's also, nobody, I don't know. It's the, the, the movie was heavy on symbolism. Like I think, I think also not only that the top hat and jacket back there, but there, there, then there are like two smaller coats. And uh-huh. I think it's like chill, like representative of, of children. The two, right. the two smaller jackets next to it. Um, it, yeah. it, it is not clear why there would be a, but but maybe she just sees it that way. You know, maybe yeah. that's what she. Maybe, it just there's this there's maybe it's just because for me it's like the disconnect is that it's in a location like a police station. Like that just doesn't it just is so out of place that it's not disturbingly out of place. It just seems mistakenly out of place. But it may not be. It may not be something that's really there. Do you know what I mean? She may right. Be- but that's what I'm saying. That wasn't. That wasn't clear to me because oh, it's like yeah. it's not even clear if the Babadook itself was really there. Even though she's like feeding him worms in the basement at the end of the film. But it's like, um, <laughs> it's always just like to me the Babadook ended up being like it's her own inner demons 
that threatens her child or can protect her child. You know, that's so I don't know. It's like I said, it seemed more geared towards like parental terror. And I just, yeah, I don't identify with that. So and I never planned to. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, they, so it's like hereditary though. looks like it could be pushed beyond that. Like, well, I feel like it, you it will be a horror witch, movie that I can enjoy, right? but I did not. Yeah. But so I, it's on my, that movie it's on my, it's is on my list. That is a highly recommended film that I would put out yeah. there. Uh, I thought it was really awesome. And, uh, hereditary is, by I told you my excuse producers. for right. Right. Oh, you did. You and I love me. that actor too. That really, that gra- that gravelly voiced, uh, guy who is from game of Thrones and also ready player one. <laughs> But yeah, that yeah. guy is just so rad. Um, I love his voice. It's I really, wish I sounded like him. I mean, doesn't everybody? Um, this, I think so, yeah. This podcast would be so much better if, if we sounded like that guy. The old Greg, I can't even like begin to. That's just a different <laughs> level of bass. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell everybody else my reasons for not Jeez. seeing The Witch because I feel like I have to maintain my street cred um, that – the girl I was dating at the time, we we both wanted to see the movie and she was like, don't watch it without me. I was like, okay. And then every time we got together, I'd be like, let's watch the witch. And she'd be like, I feel like something more upbeat and lighthearted. So, and I'd be like, well, fuck, I'm going to watch the witch on my own. Then she's like, no, 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 don't watch it without me, but I don't feel like watching it right now. So that was just sort of the ongoing thing. And then we, you know, it's, I'm not in that relationship anymore. So now I just need to get my shit together and watch the witch. But that was my. Why don't you watch that it? My, why don't you watch it tonight? I'll watch it tonight. Watch it tonight. Watch the witch. I think it's on. Yeah, I think it's on Prime. And then we'll go see Hereditary. Speaking of Prime, yeah, let's go see Hereditary. Oh yeah, speaking of Prime. Yeah, Prime. We're in the process right now of uh, of going back into our catalog of music and sort of trying to sort of get caught up on what's released and what hasn't been released and uh, digging through some stuff. And there are a couple weird things in there that we want to move on. Maybe some things for release and other things maybe would branch off into future future developments. But uh, we had a track that we did a long time ago that we were going to, we were going to team up with the guy who did a, he did a, a oh, video. Actually, yeah, the trailer guy or the supercut guy. It was the supercut guy. Uh, he's a cool guy. It just didn't. It just didn't work out for, for a number of, of random reasons. He's the guy who did mm-hmm. that awesome montage of people dancing to "You Can Dance." Yeah. And uh, we were gonna yeah, team it was just up. Like, and, yeah, it was just like every memorable, iconic dance scene from every movie in this cool supercut. Yeah. I think he did the same thing for our fight for fighting as well. Yeah. He like he did he did some really excellent videos, and we were going to team up with him. And it was going to be a supercut of robots from from films, and that, I was really stoked about that. And uh, we did a track called "Primed," and it, having not much to do with Optimus Prime, but right. I think what we're going to do is we're going to release that track in its current form on Patreon, and then decide if we're going to do anything more to it for uh, yeah. Before it's a, a slamming track. I, it's it's weird. It's like an yeah. it's like a score. The track is like half score and half. Dance. Electro. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of... Apocalypse. Yeah, Dance Apocalypse. And we've been... Yeah, just to give you updates, too, on what the hell we've been doing. We've, you know, obviously, episode six was, like, the big most... Yeah, we've had some releases since then, but that was, like, the one we were, we were pouring all of everything we had into. So now it's, like, regrouping, and we're working on some stuff that um, a little more 
personal investment. We, we actually are partnering up with this tech company that does interactive media um, in a way that's something we've been dreaming about for a long time because we've had this project in mind that we've wanted to do for years that we were originally going to try to do on YouTube the same way we did the Bane board. If you remember the Bane board, we used the annotation system to create hundreds of buttons and, and so that you could just manipulate this video and to make the sounds you wanted to. And so we were thinking we could make a, vi a comedy using that system, and it would have been a goddamn nightmare. <laughs> like, I can't even imagine how we would have done that. Yeah, but we still yeah. we never let that idea go, and now we, we, at the Webby Awards, we serendipitously ran into these guys in the elevator who own this company that develops this, this amazing version of what we've been looking for. And so now this project that we've always wanted to work on is, is going to become a reality. So that's like something we're, we're really excited to, to, to develop and to share with you guys. Totally. Um, there'll be a lot more like on that a, coming like, up. Yeah. So it's, I guess the, 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 the basic elements is that it would be a fully interactive sci-fi comedy adventure. And it's, <laughs> I don't know what else to say without giving too much away, but it's sort of a, um, uh, at the, yeah, for that's... lack of better words, choose your own adventure style, but right. in a way that pushes the envelope on what you might consider a choose your own adventure to be. There's still a lot of big questions about it, but it's, we're moving on it. And uh, in fact, we're gonna have a meeting later this yeah. week where we sit down with four giant, gigantic, uh, foam poster boards and thousands of sticky notes note cards note cards yeah yeah and then there's, you know obviously we'll work on some we'll have some all that stuff coming out we, we yeah tease the, we have uh, some other small the next the next things. episode of the uh yeah the infomercial wars will continue yep um we have another like project that. with john bailey coming up really soon that ought to be interesting yeah a nice little a, a nice collab with our man john bailey who who knocked it out of the park as Chief Akbar on episode six? Yeah, and a bunch of other parts too. That guy is yeah nuts. He's, he's all over it. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna do a um, big uh, a, a a a big one with him coming up. It's it's gonna be sort of more technical, sort of along the lines of the if R two D two could speak kind of approach. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see where that lands. Maybe we can sync it up with some yeah. new trailer releases of some of the new DC films possibly yeah we're always talking about doing what we need to do more songs like the ding ding song that's that shit is so dope <laughs> I love the ding ding song you love the ding ding song I love it yeah which now it's now I'm in a weird place because it's so goddamn hot and humid in on the east coast right now and I've turned <laughs> off all my fans and stuff so they can record and it's like I feel right now the same way I did when I was wearing that flash costume like I just my back's all sweaty and I'm just uncomfortable <laughs> gross I hate that suit that suit sucks yeah yeah that suit was rough at yeah. the release but yeah you did it though but uh yeah let's let's i guess we could wrap it up you, you gotta go so we gotta yep i gotta run but uh it was good podcasting with you as always thanks yeah. to everybody for uh for listening and uh we hope this has been a worthwhile oh. update yeah and again we always want to thank the people that continue to support us uh, on patreon of and course. through our music stores um those guys are always not only like hilarious, like we just enjoy seeing the comments and feedback from you guys anyway, but it's, it's great that you're, you still are out there 
and pushing us to your friends and family <laughs> for better or for worse. And uh, I, I wanted you to know that I actually have robot jocks uh, being delivered today. And so we're going to do that, that Netflix and chill one way or the other. And I'm thinking maybe Saturday, you know, it's one way or the other. I'll just, we'll just watch it. And if it's both of us or just me, that's, that's a promise that's long overdue. So yeah, we're going right, to right make on. that happen. Right on. And, uh, cause that's just a great movie and atomic spike out there. Like <laughs> a long time viewer, but he was on Twitter. He's just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm buying this movie because I want to see it. Like, I've heard the Arnold Lots talk enough about it. <laughs> and so his, he, I, I didn't, uh, let me see what the cover says. Hold on. The cover is amazing. Let me just pull this up. There's always, you know, like the, the brief summary at the top of the box. Ah, yeah, yeah, here we go. Two men, two machines, too wild. So if that's not, <laughs> if that's not a selling point. Did they spell it T W O wild? No, no, it's T O O wild. They, but the uh, rest are two, but yes. but that's like, which is really uncharacteristic of the movie. The movie is not too wild. The movie is very, very straightforward. But that's just that just put a smile on my face. So I'm excited to get this Blu-ray and uh, watch it again. Right with on. People who may have never seen it. I've never seen Robot Jocks, so there, there it is. I would, yeah. you're gonna watch it that's all i have to say this is a movie that needs to be in your 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 vocabulary (laughs) right on that's it well yeah let's do it let's sign off thanks again for listening and uh sign off and uh we'll be seeing you all soon talking to you all soon bye bye bye